0: of first seven inch club episode 85 first seven inch club is a podcast where we dig up seven inches from the past within the realms of hardcore punk and metal and discuss whether or not they're worth being remembered we also provide facts and trivia that we get from the internet and our own personal experiences although we don't consider ourselves know-it-alls or experts many other people do we been doing pretty good lately i think we are finally the experts that we achieve and aim to be <laughs> i am i am mike and with me is scott
1: we're gonna run out sooner or later we're gonna hit some walls where i'm It's going to be obvious what i don't know
0: if if it's not already this is a good one because this is a this is definitely a record that i think all of our listeners know better than we do so yeah oh yeah this might this might be the one where
1: we we crash hard you're going to be very insulted by how little (laughs) like uh how little color we bring to the tapestry of this (laughs) of this this record uh so mike last week i played a show and uh my drummer introduced me to a guy at the show and he was like Mm -hmm. hey this is joe and his kids go to school with ours. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I know you, I know you. Like we've hung out a bunch of times over like several years, like two years now, uh, like kids kids are, kids are playing at playgrounds together. And we just like stood around and like talked about like work and like child rearing and stuff like that. And uh, I just known this dude for a while. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah, and so we're just talking about normal stuff. And he and my drummer, Busta, Eric Busta, are talking about their experiences of being on Revelation Records. Hmm. And I'm like, well, who are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <And> he's <laughs> like, "He's like, well, I, I was in a band called Garrison, which I knew about that but They're like a post hardcore band. I think they're from Boston. And they're, I think they're on Rev in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And then in the Discord this week, uh, someone brought up, I think uh, listener Chris, I believe brought up Tom Capone's forgotten early 2000s band Instruction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Joe was in Instruction. Yeah, And uh, then he was in uh, the band that came after it, uh, God Fires Man and stuff like that. And it's so, like, well, we just talked about you. Like, no <laughs> yeah. one's talked about instruction in a while. We just talked about you this week. I can't believe you're standing <laughs> here talking to me about this thing. And then uh, I'm talking to Eric about the quicksand re-release thing. And I'm like, yeah, man, I wanted to buy it. but it's so fucking expensive. And Boost is <laughs> like, Joe put that out. because he runs or he works he's part of iodine records i don't know if it's his label or if he just you know works if they assume he runs it i think it's a small label so he runs iodine and then we're talking a little bit more and he's from boston so we start talking about tree and Stompbox and all these bands and then we're talking about sam black church and i'm like well we just did an episode on them and we couldn't find the documentary it's been scrubbed all over the internet he's like oh i know the guy who made that i'll get it for you the next day, he gets me the documentary, uh, the Sam Blackshaw's <laughs> documentary, and he remembers Spore. So, for a half hour, he and I talked about the band Spore in real life. I found a person who knows Spore, and I talked to him. So, I, he, I, he's not a listener. I don't think he knows about this show. I don't think he gives a flying fuck about our podcast. But what a shame, because he holds the yeah. keys to everything we hold dear in uh, the first 7-inch He Club could just the be Universe. the host. He could take over for me and, and host the show. He's like the golden child or something like that. He just has all these... <laughs> Uh, so I also one other quick thing I, I I found a forgotten exception to one of my you know my musical principles that I say a lot is that you know I don't care about folk music I don't care about like one guitar strumming and someone singing over it and all that kind of stuff and then a friend of mine posted this track that I was I'd been obsessed with a couple of years ago and I kind of forgot about it you've have you ever heard this the Hammond song mm, I don't it's, think it's, I don't it's, know so these three girls called Roaches their names is Roach mm. so they go by Roaches and they're these three sisters from the 70s their album cover is the most seventies folk pop thing imaginable. This would have been right behind Loggins and Messina in the dollar bin. Uh, they're just three people clowning around in like normal seventies beat up clothing. Like you ever, like you ever look at an old seventies record and they have like the shittiest sneakers imaginable? <laughs> yeah. That's what this is like. So oh, yeah, well, I'm it.
0: looking at the cover right now. Yeah. Okay.
1: I love this cover. I don't know why. Just the 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 one girl is wearing this weird, like almost like karate pants, like these three Stooges <laughs> karate pants or something. And I just think it's the coolest cover. So most of the album is this kind of like like this Muppet Show music or something. It's still pretty advanced because they're like you know three part harmony singers or whatever. But it's like this front porch like country time lemonade music. <laughs> and then there's this this and then there's this Hammond song, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like droning, moody, slow, not creepy because it's it's like you know it's melodic, it's like accessible and stuff. But it's like this stoner rock pace droning almost psychedelic song. It's like really borderline, like alien music. (laughs) And it's like five minutes of all these off kilter melodies and harmonies and layered vocals that come in and out and they hold notes really weirdly for a long time. And the words sound like they just wrote an essay and forced it to the meter. So they don't really, (laughs) it's not poetic they just fit words in so that they they land on the beat and stuff like that. And the whitest enunciation imaginable. Like they (laughs) really, really enunciate the words very carefully and very whitely but it's still ethereal and weird. And then out of nowhere, there's a complete fucking shred guitar solo. <laughs> like it's like all this beautiful, weird music and then all, <laughs> like shred, like '80s shred guitar. This is from the seventies. And it turns out this record was produced by Robert Fripp of King Crimson, <laughs> the weirdest guy in King Crimson. They stumbled <laughs> on these three ladies like singing their washboard jug band music. I was like, Hey, you guys, you guys should make like a freaky song. That sounds like the soundtrack to a midsummer human sacrifice. Like, that's what I think you should do, but it's a really cool, weird song. Like if people like stuff like the free design or any of that kind of weird freak out sixties, uh, vocal psychedelic music, I think people will like it. And also did, Mike, did you grow up with the magic garden? Mm, I don't think so. It might be a little early for, cause you're a couple, I think a couple of years younger than me, so it might be yeah. a little early, but like it was on WPIX 11 alive, there was these two hippie ladies. Who would just sit on mushrooms in a magic garden and sing folk songs and once in a while they'd like interact with these extremely budget conscious puppets uh i think some of the puppets were literally just like flowers that shook they went and they would shake some flowers and that was a <laughs> puppet but 90 percent of the show is just these two ladies sitting on mushrooms singing folky kids songs to you and i think that 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 broke my brain so now when i hear i'm very cautious and weird about freaky lady folk singers now so this song this roaches song
0: i must have caught a little of the magic garden because it went on until 84. so yeah it's probably like a like something i just don't really have like a strong memory of but yeah the I theme
1: did. song was the thing that stayed you know when other things came in and went in my brain they yeah. had this the theme song was like see ya, see ya. hope you had a real good day and that's <laughs> always in my brain that's what i when i go to say goodbye to someone that song just starts playing in my head and i'm like don't sing this <laughs> Don't sing that to people. They don't want you to sing to them when you leave. That's fucking weird.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a, got a few, some business to attend to. First of all, you can reach us at first seven inch club at gmail.com. That's all letters. Or you can go to our uh, Instagram First seven inch club. Same shit from the Instagram. There's a link tree with all the other pertinent links that you could find, but just fo- we're still on the road to a thousand on the, yeah. uh, the, the Instagram. So follow us if you haven't already, because uh, what, well, you know, what are you waiting for? We're, we're, so far into this show at this point that you have to follow us. We're 85, three episodes away from a very special episode. So that I have to, I have to start cramming for, I got to start getting practicing for it. So, so, uh, I want want to
1: do a good job with this thing. I really want want to be stellar. So
0: yeah, just, you know, sign up for the Instagram for a seven inch club. Um, yeah and it has the links to the youtube and the twitter that i hardly use but it's there and and uh it has a link the next thing i want to talk about is our patreon our new patreon that we have um i am humbled by the overwhelming response for signing up to the uh the patreon because we're idiots and we started it in the middle of the the month when you you're supposed to start like a patreon (laughs) at the the, like the beginning of the month because that's when they bill you and stuff like that but hey what are you going to do but if you are new to this uh if you you haven't listened to a couple episodes we do have a a patreon now it's you know patreon slash first Seven inch club or like i said you can go to the instagram uh there's two tiers a two dollar tier and a five dollar tier you both get two bonus episodes uh the five dollar tier Theoretically, gets it a little quicker than the two dollar tier. We still haven't figured out if we're going to stick by that, or if you're just, you know, if you're strapped for cash but you want to support, you can just throw in two (laughs) dollars instead of five dollars. The beginning, beginning of the month, and I know this will air. I think on March first. Uh, we're yeah. supposed to get, I'm going to give shout outs to the $5 people. We're going to, I'm going to give it a week because we're recording this in February still. And I have a feeling more people will, will uh, sign up at the beginning of the month because that's, that's when you're supposed to sign up to the Patreon. Uh, yeah. We're also going to throw in some odds and ends there. Scott's putting up the, uh, the closing songs. I, uh, I was testing it out right before we started recording that it, it's seemingly no limit to the amount of video you could put up. So I'm gonna start mm-hmm. putting up whole movies for you guys because <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot of weird shit going on in my hard drive. So if they're not stopping me, I'm gonna put that shit up. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so be ready. Be, I I gotta like I gotta check it out though because I don't know if if I put up a whole video file if you could download it or if you're watching some shitty streaming function functioning thing that patreon uses i gotta see so i gotta do some tests and stuff but
1: we're gonna put up the unrated megan and see which one of you fucking creeps <laughs> yeah. swirls in for that
0: yeah i don't I, I don't know if i'm gonna put up anything that's copyright but we'll see yeah. um I fully expect me to just put up like a video that's more than seven hundred megabytes and get some kind of like warning, like no. Nope.
1: Hey, 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 you can't do that.
0: <laughs> hey, I said you can put up videos, but it's maybe two hundred tops. But well, we'll see. I'm, I'm can't gonna put up
1: the Avatar sequel. You can't do that.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm just gonna be doing lossless video. I'm gonna put up <laughs> eighty-five gig movies. We'll, we'll see how. Uh, patreon handles that but yeah sign up for the patreon if you got a few bucks uh the the episodes we're doing the two bonus episodes a month are going to be not really for seven inch club episodes the one that's up now is a border boss classic uh Mm -hmm. someone recommended and i'm down to do this so uh you know it's it's his fault if no one else likes it but he he said we should review battle vests on an episode and mm-hmm. I'm totally down to do that. Cause I, I love talking about stupid shit like that. So that might be the yeah. next episode. It might be <laughs> battle vest review. It might be coming up in a couple of mm-hmm. weeks, but, but uh, yeah, check out the Patreon. Um, yep. Do you have anything to add to that?
1: Uh, I w- it will get a little bit denser in the coming months probably because I'm started. <laughs> I, uh, a fr- uh, my friend said he wanted to help out with some of the back catalog. Cause I don't know how to mix. Anyone's who's li- listened to this show since the beginning, I don't know how to mix or master or do anything good with music. <laughs> I know how to write, I know how to track, and then I just put it out because <laughs> I don't know what to do next. So it's bad, it always, it's always really badly mixed. But uh, he was like, yeah, I want to help you out. So I was like, are you sure? And I sent him Fried Chicken Boss, uh, the old theme song to the fried chickens. I was like, you sure you want to do this? This is, this is what some of the old stuff is like. And he's like, yeah, oh, this is funny, I want to do this. And I was like, all right, so I might have oh, a, a pro helping us out
0: Re- with that yeah. new remaster healthy remaster cigarette news too
1: oh that's what there- he said he goes like i gotta get my hands on cigarette news i can't wait <laughs> to fix it
0: that's that's amazing i wish I put that on on seven inch for real yeah, it needs help that's, uh that's that's <laughs> where the seven inch right there uh, uh next up on the order of business is our friend state of mind com. state of is a distro on the internet. And they sell a lot of records, a lot of hardcore metal, punk records. Uh, they have a vast catalog of things from the past, like dead stock from the past that you haven't seen in 37 years. He has it just laying around in his house, waiting to sell to you for uh, basement, basement bargain prices, bargain basement prices. Uh, well, every week, I like to to highlight a record, and uh, you know this, this, this record's a pretty serious pick as going through stuff. I was trying, I was actually trying to find something that. Uh, related to this episode but everything i found i didn't like so i uh, <laughs> ended up uh stumbling upon a record by a band called coliseum and it oh, yeah. was their their debut album i guess got a reissue a few years ago in i think 2014 mm-hmm. and so there's a deluxe reissue of their uh, their self-titled album on, on double lp colored vinyl um and it's only 18 bucks 17.95 this is a deal it's fucking records now are out the ass. Like every single record I try to buy, <laughs> by the time I get to the checkout in my cart with the shipping, it's thirty dollars, and I just I just press delete. I don't need a fucking thirty dollar record. So thirty dollar hardcore record. Come on! I thought I thought this was about the the, the scene. I thought this was about unity. Why you charging me thirty dollars for a record? Uh, but not this Col- Coliseum record. It's a seventeen ninety five Coliseum was a band from Kentucky. Uh, Ryan Patterson was in it. He was in a bunch of bands. And uh, this like at the time I was kind of like iffy about uh, Coliseum to be honest. But as as time goes by, I like them. They're a yeah. band that's kind of. I guess at the time they were definitely unique, I don't know how, how unique they are now, but they kind of played like that Stooges type of old punk, or what people refer to as punk, but it's like heavy, it's like modern and heavy, so it kind of has like a, an old school meets new school type of thing, and it's super yeah. good, and um, I honestly, you know, I don't know much about the, beyond the first record, so I don't know if they completely changed their sound after that, so... I'm just going by this this record, the the Coliseum self titled, um, that is a deluxe reissue, uh, two two LPs, seventeen ninety five plus four dollars shipping. You're not going to get any cheaper than that. I, apparently the packaging is ornate and amazing, and it comes with all this other shit. So if you don't have this Coliseum record, you should pick it up. And uh, that's at State of Mind Yeah, I don't
1: know a lot about Coliseum. They're, they're, <laughs> their whole uh, is it Black Cross? Is another one that's like one of those amp bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, I think he was in that band, too, or something, but
1: yeah. Yeah, can't keep it straight. I, like, I've, I, It's like I'll, I'll breeze by one of them, like, yeah, I like that one, I don't like that one, I like that one, I don't like that and then it's a jumble. I don't like any yeah. of them now, because <laughs> I can't remember which ones I like. I can't afford to choose wrong, but uh, Coliseum, I assume, is the good one. That's the one that most people seem to have stuck to over the years. When I, I don't I don't hear much about the other door guy, uh, amp, <laughs> a- amp metal bands anymore.
0: Yeah, I guess they're these are kind of the progenitors of the door guy.
1: Yeah. The door guy scene i guess oh hi um, and uh, last week uh after we did our unruh episode i was like you know what i really did like that unruh so i'm gonna go over state of mind recordings and just grab that record uh nope uh, that uh, that uh the the fancy one that you've been flogging yeah. for a couple weeks way gone uh so oh, don't, don't sleep on mike's recommendations they're for real once he once he <laughs> says the word that record starts flying out the door yeah. Uh, yeah. even the insider like me can't <laughs> get my hands up <laughs>
0: That might be the last one available. Uh, yeah, Brian Patterson was in both Black Cross and Coliseum. I guess that's all he was in. I thought he was one of these guys that was in, like, yeah. fucking a million bands like Gilt and all those guys. But I guess not. I guess he was just in Black Cross and Coliseum. But, yeah, check out uh, Coliseum if you haven't, especially if you're younger. You yep. might be into them. <laughs> uh, so I have a little, I guess, non-business stuff to talk about in the demo listen, uh, Facebook group, they've been really opening my eyes to uh, furnace fest. Furnace fest is a festival that I haven't really thought about ever until the past couple of years. And I guess the whole deal is that they, it's kind of like a nostalgia fest for people our age. And they book like a bunch of bands mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, would, would appeal to p- people our age and uh, this year the like i guess the lineup just came out and it was very depressing for me because i think i have seen like 80 percent of the bands on the list and that means <laughs> they're old that means they're yeah. fucking old yep and i've seen them in the past and uh that means i <laughs> have no interest in seeing them again i already saw it. it's over yeah and uh but i think on the demolition show and maybe other places they're 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 always talking about how it started by christians and like it's kind of like a, you know, a secret Christian kind of thing, and mm. I'm not down with that. So, no. I've kind of ignored it, but uh, this dude CJ in the Demolition Group has, has been po- posting a, just like screenshotting a post from the, the, one of the Furnace Fest uh, Facebook groups, because there's many. There's not just one Furnace Fest fe- Facebook group. There's many for all certain like wow. pockets of the Furnace Fest. Like There's one <laughs> strictly for people who want to hook up. And there's Whoa. one strictly for furries, and it's just like this weird thing, and it's right. it's just a fest, man. It goes on for three days. <laughs> it's in—I don't know if I just mentioned this, but it's in Alabama. <laughs> I, I would—I need a lot more to go to Alabama than just a couple day fest. Like you need—you need, you need to—that has to have like free hotel and maybe a resort uh, attached to it to go to yeah. Alabama just to see. I don't know, fucking Bane. Like I—I I would need a lot more to go to Alabama. That's ridiculous. So the fact that these people are so into it that they start. Multiple groups <laughs> are active in these groups is just ridiculous to me. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't get it, but. Well,
1: and that, post- that answers, that answers the question you just raised is that it takes more than just the fest. So if you're a furry, yeah, you know, there's going to yeah. be some action there for you when you get there. I
0: guess, man, but Alabama, it feels like unless you are already in that area or somewhere even more boring yeah. Uh, but this is kind of a two-part thing though so he's been posting these cj this dude cj i don't know if you listen to the show if you do cj thanks for posting this stuff if you don't mm-hmm. maybe you should fucking get on that yeah, but that um <laughs> but uh, he's posting these cringe posts there's one i want to highlight and i just want to mention like if this dude that wrote this was young then it, it's fine i i'm assuming the furnace fest is all olds. so if this is an old dude writing shit like this i just i don't know man uh but <laughs> it's it's so he said i'll try and synopsize it so i don't have to read this whole thing but he says i was checking out a local grocery store a long-haired kid in horn rim glasses who was rig- ringing up my groceries had a black long sleeve shirt on under his shirt uh gothic font on the sleeve check goat's heads on the other check it just had to be a black metal shirt and i told him that i was trying to guess which one it was which is real weird to, to do that. Uh, a, young, a huge grin moved across his face, and he raised his eyebrows curiously. Time paused and we sensed the magic of the moment. The line built up behind me, but we didn't care. Uh, tension sizzled as the universe waited. <laughs> t- 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 tension sizzled as the universe waited for my answer. Bathery, yep. I said. But it felt right, and it was. We high fived and rejoiced, and I took my soy sauce home to add to dinner. Uh, oh anyone God. else have a heavy music moment of or of connection today or recently? If so, what was it? Uh, so, you know, there's half of me that thinks maybe this is a troll, but but CJ posted other posts that makes me think it's not a
1: troll. So, so there's that. Um, yeah. Don't and- mind me. I'm just imagining <laughs> what's under your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i had like so i had an um, almost similar thing happened to me yeah. uh once and i was at i was at the meyer which is like a walmart type of place here i guess i yeah. don't know what it, they, it's a fucking huge place and uh i have a i have a poison idea ripoff shirt that's uh <laughs> cheers it's uh it's diane <laughs> and uh christy alley and uh uh Or Christy Allen, Shelly Long, and you know, they're on each side and says, Pick your queen instead of pick your king. Yeah. And, uh, and like the guy was checking me, I was like, So which one? And I'm just like, What the fuck are you talking about? And he's just (laughs) like, Which one would you pick? And I was just like, Uh, and I looked down and I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know. I guess Diane. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I just moved on with my day. But that was the only time that's happened to me. But if the the, the vice versa, just asking somebody that's working there is so ridiculous. So, yeah, this is is just cringe, this furnace fest thing and just giving me bad vibes. But, it made me think that uh between this and just being in like i joined a few old man uh hardcore facebook groups to promote the show like a while ago because it's fucking facebook who cares i'm I'm never going to post in these places but you know i i open when i open facebook that's all i see because i don't <laughs> look at other people's timelines because yeah i don't care and uh it's always people posting like the corniest shit it's always so fucking corny And Mm -hmm. it sucks. And I'm just like, where are these fucking people come from? Because I'm thinking, like, when I grew up and I was going to shows and all that stuff when I was young, I've never met a person in hardcore that was, like, a corny person. Like, it was just people who were, like, unadjusted, like, not Mm -hmm. well-adjusted. Pranksters, jokesters, uh, people, mean people, sarcastic people, assholes. Like, it was always somebody that had, like, something in their personality. But on Facebook... It's just the corniest people. So in these groups that just people have like nothing to fucking say as we call them Rod Butsmans, just yep. people have nothing to say to add to anything. So I want to know, did we, well, I I don't know your experiences. So maybe you like met these people But I can't like, I was racking my brain from people I met in Connecticut, people I met in Albany, people I met on the internet. I've never met anybody that was just like completely vanilla, like, like a vanilla bum, I guess. And I don't know if I just lucked out or if, as they say, like the, the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. I don't know mm-hmm. if the meek inherited Facebook and now the only people to speak for old man hardcore are people with nothing on their minds or what? Do, what do, you, do you think it's just because it's Facebook or do you think they're, these people are hiding in the shadows waiting, waiting to be old and, and, <laughs> and, uh, and post that they uh, listen to quicksand today? Like, what, what, what do you think?
1: No, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely that the last people at the party are the boring people. Because yep. everyone else goes off to do other shit and like the last guys who are still there and you're like, Man, I wish that dude would leave. I wish that this <laughs> dude would leave my house. Is those are the people who are still hanging around. Old when you find old message boards, the people who are still posting are the duds. That's just that's just <laughs> who's left after after you know everything else is uh, swept up or whatever. But also, I mean, you know, you maybe you, you came from Connecticut and there's hate breed and stuff like that, but I come from Albany. Like there's not a very big scene here. It's like a notable scene, but it's not big. So you can know everybody in the scene pretty much when you grow up around here. And there's other places where it's not like that. There's other places where like punk and hardcore and the underground is kind of like a default for a lot of people. Like lots and lots of people at your school could have been punk kids. And all your, I mean, when people, online talk to each other about stuff these days and like oh yeah i heard all about that and like there's a big rumor about that and like, oh that's overrated and all people everyone's talking about that shit I'm like what the fuck are you talking about everyone's talking about like <laughs> the new vein album or whatever just something like that like everybody's talking about that are you fucking kidding me like this is still <laughs> hardcore it's still weird it can't be that way but it is it's like some people it is that way they're they're in different circles and there's like you know duds in that circle but I i mean i've definitely known some very boring Extremely boring hardcore people. (laughs) These (laughs) and some really normal ones. When I went to, I'm not going to put them on blast because I like them. I'm friends with. But when I went to college, and I met these two straight edge dudes, and of course they met me. Like I was like a straight edge kid. I think I had some shirt on, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's all about the edge, kid." And they're like wanting to hang out with me and shit. And all they wanted to do was go to bars to pick up girls and stuff. Like that's awesome. Like now that's awesome. I think that's awesome. But I was uptight back then. They were really into their clothes. They wore like cologne and they would like clean up and go out like clubbing at night and like pick (laughs) up girls and stuff and I was like this is you guys are just regular guys you're just just dudes (laughs) what the fuck am I supposed to do with this
0: Uh, let us you know let me know and let us know about your experiences with this kind of cringy old man stuff or it might even be something to do with age like people do get washed and yeah I mean I'm not as cool as I was unfortunately I hate to admit it not as cool as I was when I was you know 17 but still Still, I think I I think when you're involved that like that late, like most of the people I do know that are, have been involved that long still have some personality to them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know.
1: I guess I guess I just lucked out. But yeah, I think let, the, let the I think the internet also just gives a lever to people who shouldn't have a lever. It's like everything else that's yeah. going on right now. Some people shouldn't have a megaphone.
0: It, even to that point, it's just like, well, no one's gonna like check you. Just be weird, like yeah. be a weirdo. <laughs> be be talking about beating people up. Like I don't know. Just uh, yeah. Talk about how badass your gang is or something. Don't just be like, hey, <laughs> anybody yeah. ever, anybody ever hear Super Touch? And that's sure. just like all you got to say. Like, just fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Super Touch, I'm talking about uh, music now on our, our music podcast. Yep. We are talking about 7-inch today. It is by a band called Swizz. And the 7-inch is uh, called With Dave, Swizz With Dave from mm-hmm. 1992 on Jade Tree Records uh this is actually swizz's last seven inch technically not anymore because then they released this another seven inch that yeah. uh i think is less it's it's the, uh, the last the last last seven inches rejects and that's just kind of like shit that was left over so mm-hmm. that doesn't really count this is really their last seven inch uh nate wilson saw that we were doing this and he said maybe you should just change your name to the right your your uh podcast to seven inch club and hey nate we we broke the rules a lot and first seven inch club is a song so it has really nothing to do with seven inches so we can't change the name but this is today i guess it's the last seven inch club Mm -hmm. uh in this episode this is like i said we were doing some voting and a lot of people voted for swizz but they just never won but this is the most overwhelming response i've gotten for uh, posting that we are going to be doing this this episode, like people are pumped to do this, and we are probably going to let you down. Just, yeah, <laughs> just so very you know. Sorry. I, I mean, I've I'm I have a history with Swizz, but it's not like it seems people are really into Swizz, and uh, I'm not one. Like I'm not one of those guys. I I like them just fine, but mm-hmm. we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, Swizz was a band from um, around '88 to '91. Uh, mm-hmm. It says it says yeah, it says '80 80, '80. 80, I'm reading '87 to uh around 91 and uh this was actually released posthumously um on jade tree records very early jade tree records release and uh this was uh i I find it funny because the name with dave refers to they got a new uh, bassist named dave stern and then so they named the seven inch uh with dave which is Probably the most honor and pomp that a uh, <laughs> bassist in hardcore has ever gotten in their lives to 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 name a whole record after the guy. That's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, when I was young, I always thought like maybe they got a new singer or something, but I it wasn't that. Um, mm-hmm. So these guys, yeah, they they came out with a couple records. They they came out with a, co- a seven inch and then broke up and they released with Dave and uh, then uh, later on a discography. Uh, this last record and the discography are on J Tree, and I just kind of assumed that. That means uh you know, J Tree's a pretty big label. They're still around. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed uh the, the, the internet would be ripe with Swizz. Like I could just go to a band camp or anywhere. And you can't. Like you go to Spotify, there's no Swizz there. I don't <laughs> know about I don't know about Apple Music. I don't have Apple Music, so maybe they're on Apple Music, but it's pretty weird. They're they're like a pretty decently known band and they're on J Tree Records, but you can't find discography yeah. on uh on on, on whatever on anything i don't think outside of youtube so that was yep. strange but um so we listened to my my shitty seven inch and <laughs> uh and like i said i i i found out about swizz and i think i've mentioned this on another show before but um i was a fan of ink and dagger and i don't know if it was somebody on like an aol chat room or it was in a zine or something but i remember somebody saying well ink and dagger is just like a vampire version of Swiz." Yeah, and I was like, I, I don't know what the fuck Swizz is. And mm-hmm. I think it was a little before, when somebody said that, I think it was a little before file sharing became a thing in my life. So I had to wait a few years. And then uh, then I had file sharing. And I was like, I got to check out this band. People said was like Ink get nagger, And then I downloaded the discography. And uh, yeah, I, the comparison is there. It's definitely there. And I yeah. was like, yeah, this is cool. This isn't like, you know, in my mind at the time, I was expecting like, ink and dagger to like Swiss it sound exactly Mm -hmm. the king dagger Mm -hmm. but it's enough it's there so i was like this is cool and i played the discography like a bunch you know in the early 2000s probably and forgot about it for a while like i have this seven inch i bought the seven inch like five six years ago i haven't had this i might have had it back in the day and might have sold it but either way uh this is just the thing i had laying around so um it's not like a near and dear to me but i've always been fine with swiss so i've just had nothing yeah, yeah. like nothing uh you know outside after i was like "Aha! It does sound like in dagger i was kind of over with swiss so um that's my experience with them and uh i have a little history and it's not really that amazing these guys are, they're pretty normal guys so um dave stern as i said was the bassist so all these guys basically they're in swiss dave stern was added to, to swiss at the end and uh, he, at, as the bassist, and then they broke up. And then they released this posthumously. And um, it's weird because it, like, I was watching live videos. And it, re- it reminded you, like, how long a band would play songs before they got to record them. Because yeah. you can see live videos of Swiz from 89 playing these songs. And it's just <laughs> like, 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 they probably recorded them and they didn't get released in 92. And it seemed like people knew them. But I don't, I don't know if people were just going off because they're they're seeing a band or what it was, it was hard to tell back then it wasn't as uh i don't know like fake as that stuff is now so it's hard to tell but but either way like they were playing these songs for years before uh before they broke up so um so yeah they they all broke up and then they formed another band that was basically this final swizz lineup called sweet belly Down, which i also remember but I didn't actually know they were connected to Swizz because I've never, like, looked through this stuff. I think I've even seen Sweet Belly Down before. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them were also in Blue Tip, which was, uh, I think, yeah, that was also after Swizz. And yep. uh, a lot of them are not, well, not now, but up until a few years ago, were in a band called Red Hair, which was also yep. basically this lineup of Swizz. Yep. And uh, they seem to have broken up. but i listened to that today and uh it's it's pretty much like you could you could trace the swizzness of it like it definitely has that swizz tinge to it, it just sounds more more newer and more modern more adult yep. and uh but yeah so basically dave stern that's all i know about him is that he was in the three post swizz bands blue tip doesn't sound anything like swizz though that's a just a different discord band but he was in them too um alex daniels the drummer was in oh i think yeah I think yeah Dave also like he has like a Instagram but there's nothing like juicy there. He's just like a normal dude that does normal dude stuff. Yeah. I not find any and his name is Dave Stern so I couldn't really find much <laughs> else after that. Um Alex Daniels was a drummer. He was uh in an older DC punk band called Fury and then as I said he was in a uh, Sweet Belly Freak- Freakdown. He's also in a band called Severin and um he uh he is now the senior writer for philanthropy.com. Which was uh, is a uh, like a political type of website about f- you know philanthropists and stuff like that. And uh, he has the unfortunate Twitter name Alex Daniels Cop. I don't know why he picked that. <laughs> but, <laughs> it seems like uh, you would not want to have cop at the end of your name. But uh, the most surprising thing about Alex Daniels is he is currently in a ska band called the Captivators. And mm. it's like an old man ska band. Like all old guys playing ska. And they even have a, a song called Midnight Train to Ska Town. He's made and, the uh, right decision. He's made all the right <laughs> decisions. <laughs> And their website is like, I don't know when they made it, but it looks like they made it in 1998. Like it's very old looking. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they're very active on Facebook and stuff. So check out uh, the Captivators. If you are into like old, whatever that wave of ska was before pop punk ska, and, you know, after
1: regular ska, like Mm -hmm. they're that type of ska. Uh, Wait, I want to pause here. I want to pause just for a quick (laughs) second. I want to give Mike a hand. This is not (laughs) meant to be condescending. But this is as scooped as I've ever been on this show. I didn't, somehow I missed that detail entirely. I just, I saw that he was like a writer. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, he's probably out of the scene these days. And I just moved on and I did not see that he was in fucking Scott. <laughs> so thank you, Mike. Yeah.
0: Hey, I, I finally did it after 85 episodes. I scooped Scott. Uh, Jason Farrell was the guitarist. He was in Fury, Blue Teeps, Sweet Belly, Freak down, Red Hair. He is, according to everything, a graphic designer. But yeah he is the least visible graphic designer I've ever seen. Like, I can't find any of his work. Uh, Mm -hmm. Allegedly, he did a lot of the Discord stuff in the 90s, and like you'll read interviews with him or like things and he'll say, yeah, he's a graphic designer now. I can't find a page. There's another Jason Farrell that does graphic design that's not him. Mm -hmm. But there's like, I can't find, he has like one of those uh, I don't know (laughs) I don't know what it's called when it's a discography of art, but he has like a portfolio, portfolio. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, He has like a portfolio page on some art website, but no work. Like, it's just (laughs) like, he's like, I had an art teacher when I was in high school who couldn't draw or do anything. And we would, we call anytime anybody called her out on it, she would say she, she had a bunch of artwork that burned in a fire and uh she never did art again allegedly like i guess Mm -hmm. like that was just too traumatizing and uh i think that's jason frail's deal i don't know there's many interviews with him talking about stuff and nothing (laughs) about graphic design so unless scott can scoop me on this um he's allegedly a graphic designer i don't know if that's his job there's another interview that said like he does like he's in the film industry and he he, there's like a couple jason frails on imdb with like small credits but i I don't know this guy's Mm -hmm. he might be a con artist for all i know i don't know um Sean Brown was the vocalist. He was the original singer for Dag Nasty. Uh but I think, you know, I as far as I know, I am we did a Dag Nasty episode on Oldsfield, and uh as far as I know this was pre anybody giving shit about Dag Nasty. So I think he yeah, was yeah. like on the demos and then he kicked him out and uh now you can only hear him on like the rarities record or whatever. So uh but you know, he as I said, he was also in Sweet Belly and Red Hair. He also had a band called Jesus Eater, which is a sweet name. He is now a tattoo artist in DC that owns his own shop. Um, Swizz also—it seems like Swiz is a band that would be ripe for reunions, and they did like one like reunion with no real, like you know, there's no real fanfare. It was a kind of surprise thing they did at some Discord fest or Discord mm-hmm. event. Um, you know, you could find a couple posts about it, a couple videos. It wasn't a big deal, and I guess because since these guys have basically been making music for the past thirty years, and uh, I guess they just don't really have any need or want to do a full-on reunion. I don't mm-hmm. know how it would go. I'd, like, I feel like if they did a Furnace Fest type thing, you know, there'd be people be interested. I don't yeah. know if they're going to be, be bringing people from all across the world if they just did like a lone, lone reunion, but it just seems like a band that should do a reunion, especially just from the uh, the reaction we got just from doing this episode, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no one would give a shit about Swizz if they did a reunion, but as far as I know, they only did that one show, and uh, they are just kind of been living their lives since then.
1: Yeah, uh, so... Uh, jason farrell has a lot of credits he basically was the, as far as i could tell he was the designer for discord for a long time so yeah he's like very hardcore important <laughs> he's got yeah. he's got credits on almost every fugazi album he's got credits on embrace rights of spring most of at the drive-in lungfish shutter to think So, like all the bands that gave you immediate cred in the 90s like you tell someone in 93 you like lungfish you're, you're good to go you gain <laughs> Immediate access to the hardcore star chamber. You just get you <laughs> shoot right to the top. I like lungfish. Oh, I, sweet You're in
0: I should have mentioned I yeah, I know he did the discord stuff, but the, has have you found anything about other stuff? He's done though.
1: There is a thing out there that uh, let me open this up He has a, a Jason Farrell collection at the University okay. of Maryland Which is mostly about his punk years and stuff like that and it says the collection contains primarily flyers posters and album covers that he designed for his bands so it's mostly yeah it's mostly like print and uh design yeah. stuff. i think he was just a print designer but okay. he did all the but he did the covers like he did all the fugazi album covers yeah and he does and when you see like woodblock kind of drawing things like the like the the rabbit fighting the snake or the cover of the swizz full length has that boxing match thing in the i think he does those drawings okay so he's like a you know a visual like a like a fine artist as well as a uh you know a designer and yeah I saw the interview that said he was making short films. I uh, he does he posts on his Instagram that he's done a couple of like rock videos. So there's a band out there recent a pretty recent band I think who has a video that he made. So I mean he's doing something. And um he put out an album in 2020. It's really it's well it's like an EP I guess. It's kind of like it sounds like old-timey like greaser rockabilly like Buddy Holly <laughs> stuff or something. And then there's just this one noisy post-hardcore song that's actually really interesting and good. It's just buried <laughs> The, so that's we're talking that's what we're talking about this week is records with one weird song that's worth listening to buried in a bunch of other stuff <laughs> um i honestly don't love his work in design if i look down like i'm not like a huge fan of like fugazi's album covers a lot of it kind of just looks like collage work and stuff like that but he is a, a pretty good artist he, his drawings are pretty cool uh dave stern he dave dave also works in the pitches he's in the pitches <laughs> as well uh he's the key grip and he's a cameraman and uh he's he has a lot of current credits. Um, but his Instagram post from a couple months ago said that he and his family were moving to the Pacific Northwest with no job and, and no plans. So I don't know. Maybe he's uh hmm. he's out of the game. I don't know, but he's worked on some heavy hitter stuff. He was on he worked on Glass Onion. He worked on oh, wow. or- Orange is the new black. Uh most importantly, he's done some Law and Order SVU. So I mean that—that's I, I mean, I assume every living being has worked on Law and Order SVU, but uh, you know, <laughs> to me, that's an important important credit. Sean Brown currently is a traditional tattoo artist, and I'm gonna be real with you—I don't get traditional tattooing at all. <laughs> I don't understand that world. Uh, he seems seems cool. Seems like a well-rounded guy digs fishing and still, you know, he still plays in Dag Nasty. Now at the moment, he's in Dag Nasty. Mm. He, he likes Devo, David Bowie, he likes all the stuff I like. So, you know, he made, he made some good should have been Lars jokes when David Bowie died. That's, I, that's when I approve of should have <laughs> been Lars, when David Bowie died. Uh, but he's got a real resume. I found a, a I think it was on it's on afropunk.com and he talks about his time in Dag Nasty. And I don't know if it was ever a secret or whatever. Like I, when you when you look up things from Dag Nasty, they don't say why he left. And uh, he says that he got fired uh, like immediately after a show. Like they walked off stage and like, yeah, you, so you're out now. Uh, you're not in the band anymore. He's <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck? What are you talking about? And you know he was 19, so he wasn't going to be mature about that. He said he was like mad and hurt and stuff like that. But they kicked him out because they wanted a singer. They didn't want a shouter. They wanted a guy oh. who could sing. And so he thinks they already had Dave Smalley. They already had him lined up. Um, they, I think that, I think they famously wrote to Kevin seconds to try and get him to sing for them. And that didn't pan out. So they got Dave or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, they wanted a melodic singer in Dag Nasty, So that's why he's out. And yeah, most of this lineup is back together or was back together as red hair. And the drummer of red hair is Joe Gorlick from garden variety who we talked about oh, okay. a while ago. But the cool thing about red hair is that because they, they were reunited and cause they were like old school, important guys, they got some press. So you got to hear the guys from Swids being crotchety. In, in the 2000s, the 2010s, and, you know, they get asked about Swizz. Swiss sort of missed out on being part of the Revolution Summer thing. I, yeah. they were, I guess they're a little bit younger, or they just weren't into that because they were kind of, like, more hardcore than some of those guys were. And they asked them about it, and the guys are just like, yeah, Revolution Summer, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Like, because they were there for it. They don't have to give a shit. They, they were, like, kids that were actually in, the, in that scene. I think what they, basically what they said was that, you know, Revolution Summer was just doing punk stuff. And they were already doing yeah. punk stuff. You just gave it some branding. So yeah, we're punks again this summer, just like last summer. We were punks the <laughs> summer before. We were punks then too. So a big start, a big part of the start of this band and like a big catalyst probably for Jason's career, was that he went to high school with almost all of Discord. Hmm. Uh, whatever high school he went to, I forget the name. Uh, members of Dag Nasty, Government Issue, The Faith, Rights of Spring, Fire Party, Capital Punishment. Um, they all went to his school, and the and the guy from Capital Punishment had a band named The Bells of, that I, th- I guess everyone just did some time in that band. So at some point, he was in a band with the brother, Ian Makai's brother, Alec, who sang for The Faith. Yeah. Unrelated to all that, a lot of these guys really like Kiss, and uh, this is not the first older guy rock band we've had on here where I'm like, I was, I'm seeing a little bit too much Kiss in their internet footprint. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. Like, if you're, you know, they're a little older than us, and in the 70s, like, I think KISS, I think KISS is a pretty interesting concept and circumstance. I think it's interesting. But like, if you're an old punker metal guy or whatever, what, how are you shrugging off 40 years of the shit in the middle and be like, nah, I just like KISS now? That's fucking nuts to me. Like a whole, there, there's a whole block in there where you were like, you know, into some avant-garde cutting edge stuff and you're at the, the forefront of culture. And then you're just like, forget it. Now that I'm 50, what I listen to is KISS? That's it? That's so fucking, that's really weird to me. <laughs> musically at least that's really strange
0: <laughs> okay there's swizz so jade tree is the album the uh, record label they are on this is a very early jade tree releases J tree number four from 1992 and uh, J tree like i said they're still around um also it's an indie label started by uh, tim owen and darren walters based in wilmington delaware um in 2014 the label made its discography available on van so i looked like i maybe i missed it but I don't know, man. I don't know if they have like a falling out with Jade Tree or what the deal is, but um, for it to not be on, on Spotify is super weird. I'm mm-hmm. just going to search real quick Swiss Bandcamp.
1: In yeah <laughs> no yes yeah, so there's
0: no yeah there's no swizz on the, their band camp so i don't know like i said i don't know if there's a falling out i don't know if swizz is like no fucking internet i don't know but
1: don't uh, put our fucking music up there dude <laughs> huh?
0: maybe they lost the rights maybe like discord owns swizz i don't really know but either yeah. way uh so yeah this was like a very early release so this is probably like a, a big get for them because it was like an established band and they got to l- release their final seven inch but before that they released uh their four walls falling, which I assume was kind of a no, I guess it was a full LP, and they released uh Gravel and uh a band called Jones Very. No uh, no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> and uh, you know, they've been off to the races since then, and they've kind of grown up, you know, the same time I have, where in the early days they did stuff like Universal Order of Armageddon and uh State of the Nation and Walleye and even Lifetime and uh Early Promise Ring, and it was kind of like not for me, but it was the, mm-hmm. still like the uh, the acceptable form of emo music to me. Where I was just like, I'm not in that pussy shit, but I understand <laughs> people that are. And then uh, around, they released a the Sweet Belly Freak Down in '97 and Lifetime Promise Ring, all that stuff. Joan of Arc was a big one. Captain Jazz, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know everybody should like the Captain Jazz uh, discography, yep. even if you aren't in that. Just for Brazil was a big one. Kid Dying Myself Title, huge huge record for me, probably in my top 50 of all time. And then in about 2000 and what is it? Let's see. 2000. Yeah. Year 2000. It starts getting shaky. They released Pedro the Lion (laughs) and it's like, what is this? Uh, But they released a turning point discography, a band I like a lot. Uh, And then um, around 2002 is when they started going like, like pretty hard on uh, getting like, you know, Piano,
1: piano emo. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, a little piano emo. They still in 2003. They did these uh, these arms are stakes. This is meant to hurt you. And then a little later, they did uh, Oxeniers, which two records I really like a lot. But they yeah, they started really leading on the Pedro the Lion type stuff. Yeah. And um, at the time, I was like, what the fuck? What is this shit for? Although I guess Breathe or Resist in 2004. So they were still doing heavy stuff, but it was yeah. still enough wimpy stuff where I was like, I don't know. And but at the time, I was uh. I didn't understand it, but now I get it. You know, you, you grow old. You like this shit, man. They released a lot of Avail stuff and uh, fucked up too. <laughs> but, uh, maybe maybe I, I was wrong. I swear that J Tree was like a lot of a lot of a lot of sissy stuff. But I
1: guess no, I guess. they were like. I mean, I'll get into it too. But uh, you know, once they started doing like Jets to Brazil, they started doing the second band from yeah, a hardcore yeah, guy. Yeah.
0: I still feel like looking at the discography and the order of it. I was really stereotyping. I, I feel bad, J-Tree. I, I was stereotyping you for a I've long time. i misjudged you. <laughs> it was just really Pedro the Lion that was under my skin. And I assumed the whole thing was Pedro hey, the Lion. Hey, my
1: morning jacket's pretty
0: pretty whippy, too. I'm going to yeah. get them. Um, I, I apologize formally to J-Tree. Uh, you put out these arms are snakes records. And I really love those records. So, 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 uh, and you know, kid dynamite again, a huge one. So, so yeah, J tree, not as wimpy as I believed it was just page of the lion and stuff like that.
1: Mike, Mike's a little hazy on his details, but I know exactly where, (laughs) where I, what I felt about this band, which is that they definitely ruined my vibe and robbed me of all my post hardcore money. You know, they were, they were obviously a known quantity and they'd put out some, you know, hardcore stuff in the past. And they started putting out, as I said, they started putting out, like, the next band. They started, they put out, like, Promise Ring, Jester Brazil, and all that kind of stuff that was meant to be something emo-adjacent, post-hardcore-adjacent. But I get the record, and I was like, oh, this is this is so boring and wimpy. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work for me even slightly. And I mean, Captain Jazz is pretty wimpy. I don't know why I like them. I think it just sounds, like, more raw and rough and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not against wimpy music, but just... The Promise Ring type stuff, I, I could never get into that whole branch of, of emo stuff. And then they tricked me, because of Captain Jazz, they tricked me into buying Joan of Arc and Owls and all that <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, later uh, Kinsella stuff. And uh, I just, back then, I felt like that was just money set on fire. Um, <laughs> some of it I like now because I'm rich. I'm rich now. I can like whatever I want. But back in the day, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, on a fixed income, I couldn't, uh, <laughs> couldn't spend that kind of money. Uh, many episodes ago, we covered the band Far Cry and i mentioned that one of the guys was in a band named idolon i want to renew that recommendation for that <laughs> because uh the music on that cd is some pretty good menacing post punk type stuff like you know i don't know you know it's really 80s sounding like kind of like goth post punk almost music and um i think fellow olds will dig it but i mainly ride for this album because it looks like the quick restore cd that would have come in your comp usa computer in like yes. 1991 uh like in the days when it wouldn't even be windows it would be like <laughs> the shady OS that BJ's wholesale club would put on a computer <laughs> or something like that. Uh, I, and I'd say collector's prices all day for this, but you, you don't have to, you're not going to have to spend that kind of money. So go out there and spend <laughs> the three bucks to get the on CD. Um, also I tried to form a band with the friend I was talking about earlier, Eric, Eric Booster, my drum, my current drummer, we tried to form like a weirder band and we had a friend who played synthesizers. So I was like, yes, finally get the sound like the cars after 30 <laughs> years of wanting to just be in the cars. And of course we didn't, I didn't, see that goal through and then one of the dudes in the band posted on myspace that we were influenced by mile marker and i was (laughs) and i was so immediately furious that i i ended the band on the spot (laughs) so fuck mile marker as well (laughs) there you go uh
0: so now we can get this record out into a tray nice uh so this is 92 for a record label that i don't think was uh ripe with promise ray money yet (laughs) <laughs> uh, but they, they definitely, they definitely did a try. They did a try with the graphic design. I don't know if Jason Farrell did this. I don't know if he's credited for it. Um, I assume he yeah, did cause that's,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Graphics. Yeah, yeah. Jason Farrell. There we go. So he did this. Um, I know, uh, I don't know what you used in 92 to do stuff, but the cover is, uh, Sean, the singer kind of hunched over holding the microphone, like mic stand. Mm-hmm. And it says swizz and, uh, he's like layered over and under the swizz logo yeah, and uh that feels like it probably took three uh, three to seven hours <laughs> oh, to, yeah, to do yeah, in 1992 yeah. like <laughs> that feels like that took some real work for something that you know it would take two minutes today so i appreciate that yeah. uh i like that and there's a little inset of where it says with dave <laughs> it just as a picture of dave the bassist. uh <laughs> yeah. it looks cheap but i like it And the back is the same photo it's a little expanded uh hard to read for for my colorblind eyes it's uh it has like the song titles in the same kind of um clean font they use for swizz on the cover but yep. Yep. it's uh it's uh they're a little there's a little opaque they're uh you can kind of see through the, the font and uh mm-hmm. there's it's in blue purplish blue i don't know i guess purple
1: yeah it's a blue and, yeah
0: yeah, bluish purple, and there's also a pink, swiss pink, and cursive. It's kind of a mess to my colorblind eyes. Again, mm-hmm. in '92, though, this is probably top of the line graphic design. You probably looked at this and said, "Oh, these guys are fucking millionaires. Look at this thing. This is yep. crazy. How did how, how did they <laughs> how did they they make those? <laughs> how could you see through those letters? How could you even do that? Like people people's minds were probably blown." Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 insert is just a it's a fold-out insert, only one sided though. They didn't they didn't. Uh, use full space no no access to full space for swizz (laughs) it's uh it's it's a weird yeah it's not even but 14 inches it's not not even like a a full seven by seven or anything that you fold out to 14 inches it's a it's a weird size and like i said you you fold it out and it's, it's basically just the lyrics and a picture of everybody in the band uh the the thing with the the band photos though is there's five of them so it's it's every guy in the band dave sean jason and alex and then the last photo just says Swizz, and it's a, just another band photo. Yeah. And uh, definitely, if I got this in ninety nine ninety two, I would have definitely thought there was a guy in the band named Swizz. And,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know,
0: honestly, like I was thinking about it, yeah. I might have thought that back then. I might have thought, like when yeah. I first got this like record, Sif. I might have, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> I might have thought there was some guy in the band named Swizz. I don't know. Yeah. I like I would have probably thought Swizz was a singer. So, so uh, that's confusing. <laughs> it's conf- yeah. There's no Google back then either. You couldn't be like, is there a guy named Swizz and Swizz? So uh that probably confused a lot of people back then.
1: He's the boss tone. He's the he's the, he's the bobo <laughs> from Avail, the guy who just dances yeah. for Swiss. <laughs>
0: uh they also have the the more recognizable Swiss logo, which is almost like metal compared to compared yeah. to their, their stuff. And um I mean, like I guess they pro- when they probably started, they were just like, oh, we want to be a hardcore band, and they probably had the logo all set or somebody drew it in a study hall or something. I don't mm-hmm. think it really fits the band, but uh, all bets are off in the early nineties when when as far as like logos and aesthetic and stuff so Mm -hmm. so it's fine i think it's a cool logo i just don't think it ever really fit the band um j the j tree logo was already established in in uh by release four so i don't know if they had that from the beginning or something but it's a pretty pro logo so yeah it's uh you know it's cool that they had it back then um but yeah there's there's nothing much it's very clean it's very easy to read uh i think jason farrell was especially for the early 90s a font master for (laughs) uh, picking a nice clean easy to read font that's uh looks great and is kind of timeless um nothing like there's some parts where he he spaces the letters out to you know to make it fit and stuff and yeah. uh, take up the right amount of space, but you know that's a, that's an easy trick that still looks great. So uh, yeah, outside of the the back looking a little little busier than I would like, and again, it's because of my debilitating handicap of being um colorblind and not being able to see stuff too great uh it's uh, i think it's for 1992 this is a really pro looking record even even the cheesy with dave Pars still pretty pro looking so um i give it up to them for having a uh, good good photos to choose from and good fonts uh i think jason farrell knocked it out of the park
1: this might even be uh overlapping with the era where you had to have like an exacto knife and like amber yeah. lith and stuff to do crap <laughs> <laughs> um I have a feeling that he got his first real computer in 92 because (laughs) like, you know, this has like a lot of computery typography. And then, uh, the next, the, the, the full length, which I think is a year later, no punches pulled is almost, it's kind of very similar. Uh, it's, it's very similar sort of style and, and has, you know, like, like he's restless with his fonts. I wanted to try every font (laughs) in my computer (laughs) on Swiss and I refuse to use our logo. (laughs) <laughs> but the, you know, the cover of this record kind of makes me think of one of those giant Barnes and Noble coffee table books about jazz or something like that. It's, it's, it's very classy and tasteful yeah. for a, a hardcore band. Uh, I, they probably had to make some serious decisions about that old logo. Like, it's a better known logo. It's kind of skater metal looking. It could have definitely been a skateboard, like trucks or wheels <laughs> logo <laughs> or something like that. And I guess they had to decide, where is this going to show up? You know, people know it, so we got to put it on the inside. It's our trademark or whatever. But i think th- I think he just maybe he did, he was ashamed of it or something like that, and he just wanted to open <laughs> up his font folder because it's kind of hidden. Um, that main font is Copperplate Gothic. It yep. got used a lot in the eighties and nineties, and I hate it now. it's uh it's, <laughs> It got like heavily used for those times because it's like clean and classy, and uh then and then the next album he he stretches out a giant times New Roman font, and I hate that too. I hate stretch fonts. Um, but that's what like I, that's why I'm thinking he just got a computer because I did that too. Like as soon as you got a computer, like I could do whatever I want with words, I could stretch them. <laughs> so, you know, you just do it. Both albums feature this like swashbuckling pirates booty version of the band name. This like Blackbeard script yeah. cursive swizz which d- it doesn't fit anywhere. It's it's pink on <laughs> both times. It's just this pink version of the logo. They just hey, you guys had a sick logo, just roll with it. I I really <laughs> love that with Dave. It's just that tiny inset pic on the cover. Um, it's almost the same dimensions as the van photos inside, almost like there's some kind of cigarette trading cards of the <laughs> band or something like that. You know, we talked about the fact that it's called With Dave earlier. I would've thought that that was almost like an inside joke or something, you know, like Milo goes to college. I just always yeah. expected when there was like a punk or hardcore album where they said the name of the guy that it was kind of like an inside joke or that he'd been kicked out or something else with a story. Not, this is our new bassist, so we're naming <laughs> the record after him. <laughs> Um yeah and then the inside is all set in copperplate the same copperplate gothic font which I disrespect uh, but I was alive and operating this era I was doing design in this era and we all liked that stupid font it was kind of like uh like 5 to 10 years later everybody used the font trajan uh, the gladiator movie font or something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. everyone was using that in the 2000s because it felt super serious and pro and it was free <laughs> it came <laughs> with the computer and it felt like you were making a big bl- big budget blockbuster movie when you made your band uh <laughs> flyer using a uh, trajan or copperplate uh, the one thing that I love without reservation is the weird lozenge shape on the record itself. I don't know if, <laughs> what that's all about. Um, it's set in this really classy silver on um, black, and it almost looks like a Tylenol tablet shape. It looked, yeah. To me, it looks like one of those Egyptian cartouches. You know, they're like the name of the gods. They always write them in those like lozenge shapes. And uh, you know, I feel like I'm being super Stargate cursed for looking at this record <laughs> when I look at that thing. And I think it's very it's sleazy punk record it has this fancy... <laughs> it almost looks like a factory records thing or something like that on the record. I love that thing. Maybe it's supposed to be a skateboard. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. It could just be a skateboard. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was supposed to be like a capsule too, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, so yeah, yeah we can get into the, the tracks now. This is four tracks, uh, so, you know, two on each side, front to mm-hmm. back. Pretty pretty full sound for Swizz, I think. I don't really know how many songs Swizz had It combined mm-hmm. total, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think they had a good amount. I don't think they had like a hundred though, so 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 four songs is a good sampling of Swizz. And I actually, like I said, we don't really know a lot about Swizz, so I don't know where these songs rank in the the Au So I don't. I assume by people's reaction, these were very well loved songs, but I don't really know. But um, so the first track is called Black. Uh, I, I must say, there's a lot of pops and crackles on my version of this, so if you are sequestered only listen to my version, I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, I just assumed this would be on Spotify or Bandcamp, and I didn't think we'd actually have to listen to the record, and here we are listening to it. So, JTree, what's up with that? But So, if, yeah, like I said, just go. I'm sure somebody ripped this to much cleaner rip, so if you, are for some reason, have <laughs> never heard Swizz, go listen to a cleaner version. Uh, I guess this was all recorded live to tape, because there's a lot of a lot of hints like in the beginning of this one that some guy says black take one and then they start playing so yeah i assume this is all life to tape uh yeah and you know right right on right right as it starts you can hear the kind of ink and dagger comparison i guess um oh, i th- yeah. obviously i think ink and dagger is a little more frantic a little more all over the place a little heavier uh but you know this is several years before ink and dagger and uh i don't know if everybody would make that comparison right away but it's there if, if it's in your head you can hear it um I don't know if it was the same interview Scott talked about earlier that where they're like, fuck, fuck revolution summer. But, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's something I read that said that, uh, they did, they started Swizz because, <laughs> because of revolution summer and because everything stopped, started like shying away from being aggressive and punk yeah. and started getting, uh, you know, I guess, you know, more, more post, more, more modern, I guess. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about because Swizz is like, I want to call them happy, but, they are one of like the catchiest, but uh, still maintaining their integrity type of bands ever. Like this yeah. is upbeat. I like, guess it's very upbeat. It's not, it's not completely poppy, but it's very catchy and you could definitely still play it at a barbecue with kids around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, back in nineteen ninety nineteen eighty seven 1987 or whenever, when they started this band, it was like, this is still hard shit. And, uh, that's pretty yeah. crazy to think about <laughs> in, <laughs> in you know, in hindsight, but yeah, this was hard shit back then. Um, there's also a touch, a very touch, at least in this song, it gets more. I'll talk about it, but there's a touch of the undefinable nineties music genre that I always talk about in this music Mm -hmm. where, uh, even though they, they wrote these songs and, uh, the uh, the record says copyright 1990 so even though like i said i've seen them playing these songs in 89 so they wrote these in the late 80s but there's the yeah. other the undefinable 90s music genre of this where they're exploring a little more all over the place than uh carbon copy hardcore bands of the time this mm-hmm. is a good opener it's not my favorite swiss song but you know it pretty much lays down what Swizz is all about right there but like i said this is their last seven-inch, so you probably already knew what swiss was about
1: uh i think like i think that this the chords of this song are even pretty much identical to bloodless Ink and Dagger yeah. less like they, It really reminded me of that. Um, what I want to know is how these bands all get that same kind of like cotton mouth sound in the studio. Like, first couple <laughs> Ink and Dagger records, it almost sounds like he's singing with a mouth full of cereal. Yeah, And even later on, when they did later records, it still sounds like he put too many of the foam microphone covers. Like, st- stretched eight or nine of those foam mic covers on the mic. And, you know, Sean Brown's isn't nearly as foggy, but it sounds like he maybe stood seven or eight feet back from the mic to sing. It's, just, it's still <laughs> got that same kind of both Sean's, both Sean's are pretty foggy sounding uh, singers or whatever, but I like it. I think it's cool. I think I like that effect and it, it sounds a little bit more tense to me or something like that. And, uh, the guitar playing on this whole record answers a lot of questions about some of like the looser post hardcore bands in the nineties, like wh- wh- where, some of these influences came from with Swiss, Swiss influenced a whole bunch of bands that I, you know, cause there's a lot of like nonstop free form, almost bluesy guitar layers going on towards the end. Like it just kind of goes off on a bunch yeah. of layers of guitar and that sounds like a lot of other stuff to me that happened later that it, you're like oh yeah well that's where that comes from it's just wanking over <laughs> <laughs> over the ending of the song and it comes after one of the most precisely picked breakdowns of all times that that i guess that's probably the hard part of this like it's probably yeah. where you know i so, something i read i think jason said that like blue tip was this kind of band and the one of his other bands was this kind of band and swizz was his metal band Like he considered Swizz to be his kind of metallic band or whatever. And that's probably just because they have these (laughs) these like, you know, Metallica right hand parts going on. And uh, the one thing I really dig about this song is that the fade out is imperfect. Probably, it's Mm -hmm. probably on purpose. So you get to hear the part where the guitars start getting stupid. (laughs) Like that that's like if a guitarist is wanking over the power ending they eventually get to the part where they're
0: just going wow 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 wow
1: and a pro engineer usually hides that for you but swizz is not about that shit they're like you know let them hear it let them hear what we did let them hear me click the wah pedal on <laughs> 10 minutes in the end of the fade out
0: uh so i look it up swizz had about 30 songs so yeah mm-hmm.
1: um that's a that's
0: a that's a sizable discography not that anybody cares except me but i just yeah. want to make sure i wanted to make sure we weren't listen we weren't reviewing four of the 10 with songs i assume <laughs> there was many more but just yeah. want to make sure they didn't record the same songs 18 times or something mm-hmm. and people were screaming at their their I- iphones like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah they they had many many other songs besides these um the second track is called nine oh, wait, I absolutely love how he says you son of a bitch in the song. He says it's don't patronize me with apologies, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I love that. I, this is probably the best use of you son of a bitch in a song ever. It's yeah. uh, it's great. Uh, I think all all Swiss songs are dancy, and I don't mean moshy. I mean like... You can cut a rug to these, like they do in in the cartoons when they just yep. do like the seven frames of the cartoons. The cartoons doing a Charleston or something. Yeah. You could do that to Swizz. It has that kind of kind of uniform yeah. danciness to it. So, um, like I said, when I watch live videos, no one's no one's doing those. No one's doing the Charleston to Swizz. They're just kind of doing less stage dives. But you could. you could have really, really got to go, and you're gonna lift your skirt up doing those those dances. <laughs> you could have did that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the only other note I have about this is he he makes a lot out of a little lyrics wise. He's working smart, not hard. There's yeah. only about you know twenty twenty five words, but it he stretches about. He says them fast too. It's not like even in, he's he just repeats a lot and it's great. Yeah, he says you son of a bitch. Uh, this this is close to this is probably uh, I don't know if it's my favorite song in the record, but it's it's close. I, I like I like nine a
1: lot. There's some good and bad in this song for me. <laughs> good news, <Okay>. bad news. <laughs> like I think like depending on my mood. I could listen to this song and it would sound like something that like the vampire band from *Dust till dawn might be playing yeah okay <laughs> like, the, yeah, like i could I see, see vampires that. eating people over over this <laughs> It almost it almost sounds like biker rock like biker vampire rock or something like that <laughs> and um but then there's some parts where they kind of ring out and it gets kind of windswept and moody and a little bit it almost seems a little bit more cinematic or something like that i think uh swizz obviously has a real way with the uh, multiple guitar tracks uh, the big sort of multi guitar octave chord finale. That's like uh, almost yeah. every song. Every every song on this record has like a tiny movie soundtrack embedded in it. A tiny little yes. like symphony yeah. embedded <laughs> in it. And I really like that. It's not something I really saw coming as a like a casual <laughs> listener or whatever. Bass sound on this whole record is really weird, and I, I think <laughs> I like it. But it sounds almost. It's got this dry rattly fret noise as like an unplugged bass. Like if you just picked up the really worn out. you know, unset up Ibanez from guitar center and just played it with like the worst pick in the world, old ass (laughs) strings. Uh, That's kind of what it sounds like, but it also has this really thick low end like seventies bass tone, even on the seven inch vinyl, which isn't supposed to have any warmth at all. (laughs) It's like still there. Uh, I don't think it's possible to make this sound anymore. I think this is a tone secret that's locked in 1992. (laughs) It can never be retrieved. Swiss has it. Nobody else can get it.
0: Yeah, you know, I guess the biker stuff was the bad news. Okay. Mm. Uh, so you flip it to side B. The first track is called Cakewalk. Uh, this is this is a real head nodder. This is the one you can bop your head up and down to. Yeah. Uh it's pretty cool. This this also treads way further into nineties music territory. Um it it's definitely uh, you could you could totally imagine uh, I wouldn't say uh from dust till dawn, but you could totally imagine somebody from uh, My Soul Called Life listening to this or <laughs> or uh yeah. Yeah. finding out finding out a cool older sisters mixtape after alice and chains yep. it's uh and i feel like there's probably you know older hardcore people just dying inside for me saying that but it's true mm-hmm. it's not a lie like i don't like I, we said we don't have that we don't have that that deep <laughs> relation to Swiss. so i don't know how yeah. people that really love them think of them but there's a lot of uh you know accessibility i guess i would say to swiz music it's not yeah it's not like a punk secret or anything. There's there's a lot of accessibility <laughs> going on this, on this record. Even the solo, the solo near the end of this is very '90s alt rock, and so is the bassline. That is a bassline out of like live or something like that. Is yep. a, <laughs> a a very much very very friendly '90s alt rock bassline. Uh, it's it's a great song, but you know i I don't know if I'm uh, killing a punk man's dreams and hopes by saying that. But it's it's leaning more
1: alt than punk to me. So I can back you up on this, uh, with, with first hand sources. Uh Jason said in some interview I read that that he was the guy who always liked to play fast and that the other guys wanted to like slow down to kind of keep up with some of the other bands that were, you know, doing more mid paced stuff and, and heavier stuff. And uh he was kind of fighting it and he said, Well, they won and and I think it was for the best that we started playing some slower songs. And then he said then Bad Brain's Quickness came out and it had a song Soulcraft that I loved and uh <laughs> And this song makes two episodes where an unlikely person is in league with me on Bad Brain's Quickness. I'm feeling I feel fucking great right now. Cause I love Soulcraft. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what the what the consensus is on quickness. I mean it's got some sketchy lyrics, like worse than sketchy. It's got some other worst lyrics. Um, but I love Soulcraft. And so this song apparently is directly an attempt to rip off the song Soulcraft. He's like, I want oh, okay. my own Soulcraft. So I wrote that. And it sounds very little like Soulcraft. <laughs> Other than the fact that it's not a fast song, but we'll get, we'll get back to that. So for me, this song is kind of a grower because it's easy for me to not focus on like a mid pace, major key rocker. It's not the sound I seek out, but if you listen to it, it's great. Obviously, like it's, it's like a, it's like a cool song and I love how the vocals land on it. They swing a little bit or something like that. It almost sounds like he's doing like a Danzig thing, (laughs) except Except, like, omitting all of the Elvis and Jim Morrison impersonations that Tanzig does and just just like stealing his rhythm and his cadence or whatever. I like it. And then he does broken megaphone stuff on this or like distorted vocals on this. And that's usually a no no for me, but I have to forgive them because it's perfect. It's exactly what the song needed. They needed a call and response thing. And like I said, well, I guess that these guys get to use the distorted vocals. Nobody else does, just these guys. (laughs) And then, so yeah, then at the end of the song, then they they go into more of the angular, like weird riffs. That is very Bad Brain's uh, quickness sounding to me because it's all the kind of weird alt metal chords that they were using at the time. Even crossover bands were using those kind of dreary chords that were funky. I guess they're like funk chords (laughs) or something. So it's still heavy and they're still heavy riffs, but they go and they land on these Jimi Hendrix chords or something. And uh, I don't know how else to put it, but it's all over quickness and I hear it on this and I, I'm i there for it. I love it. <laughs> I really enjoy that part. That's what probably makes it sound like Alice in Chains though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That vibe.
0: Uh, the last track is called Paralysis. the real hit I don't know if it's a hit in my heart but this is the one that I would imagine would be on 120 minutes or whatever the approximation of 120 minutes was post uh, so tv at the time yeah I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and i don't th- i don't think they've had any videos but if they they continue this could have definitely been a video so they're going out with a bang on this i need to hear scott's opinion after cuz this song is 90% talking yeah. yep. talk singing but it's it's like thrash metal talking it's not like yeah. it's not the talk singing that would be a staple of 90s hardcore this is like suicidal tendencies i, I all i want is a pepsi type of talking yeah. um after the lyric portion though which is, uh, you know, the first half of the song, second half song. We really break it down. We're gonna break it down for you. Let's hear that bass. Let's hear some bass. <laughs> let's let's hear the whole group whisper yep. talk the chorus and get it get a nice slow do a nice slow whisper talk of the chorus yep. and then we get the funky drummer outro. But the the caveat here is my copy's all fucking scratched up, so it skips. So it sounds like he's doing some real off t- off time absurd abstract funky drumming it's uh it's you know this is this is a exclusive this is a first average club exclusive you aren't going to get these scratches anywhere else so mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool but yeah this is uh this is like this song is the most 90s out of all of them i think it's great um i this is one i would definitely like to hear like actual swizz fan- fans uh opinions on because i feel like this might be like a polarizing track for swizz but uh i like it a lot
1: well, this one's heartbreaking for the reasons that you you can guess. Because <laughs> I definitely enjoy all this like skittery ass, chicken picking ass thrash metal at the beginning, yeah, yeah, and then there's a lot of talking, and it, like the, the intro talking is probably the worst. And then there's another verse of talking. I'm like, why, why do you keep doing that? Stop talking. <laughs> but I'll give you one better. I don't, he, he it's definitely like suicidal. It's like all those other things. But this is to me sounds most like the waitresses, <laughs> and I love the waitresses. <laughs> So How can I complain? I, I just wish I wasn't in this position, but I, I mean, you know, they have an influence that I respect. So I just don't want the big finale of the record to be a spoken word song. I just didn't want that. But I admire the balls of the band of this of a band like this in the '80s punk scene, putting something like this out that has 42 tracks of Ario Speedwagon guitars at the end, <laughs> soaring to the heavens fearlessly. And that whole part is my heart and blood. I think it's majestic and beautiful, excessive. <laughs> Possibly unnecessary, but I love it. And that ending um is an almost entirely unrelated beat, and I would say it's a ska beat. <laughs> it almost sounds like you know, something like the English beat, like yeah. you know, like it could have been so that's a laser guided missile at my habits and my interests. <laughs> so it's a real emotional roller coaster for me, this song. <laughs> this one.
0: Uh there you have it. There's uh the final Swiss record in a nutshell. Um. Yeah. So usually I do a little review or a little uh, rating where I say either throw it in the trash, listen to it on streaming, which I guess you can't, unfortunately. jay chee, get on that. Come on. Um, <laughs> buy it from the bargain bin, buy it uh, for full price, or buy it for collector's prices. This really brought me back. I like I said, I haven't listened to Swizz in many years, probably close to twenty years. And uh, this this I would I listen to this a bunch. I like I usually just listen to the uh, the records a couple times and throw them back in the trash but uh this i listen to a bunch and i, I want to listen to that discography i might have to buy it that's why i was I was hoping state of mind had it i don't i don't know if it's um i think it's cd only so i don't think mm. i would ever actually buy it because it's but, a lot of tracks so it, might, it yeah, might have to be yeah yeah i think it's cd let me check uh yeah cd only so that sucks but so, so somebody needs to put this out. Somebody needs to either fucking press it, or I don't know what the fuck. Or maybe you have to buy all the records individually. But either way, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to go back and listen to uh, the rest of the Swiss discography. And I now I know why these songs are so uh, stick out so much uh, over the other the, the other Swiss stuff is because they these these are the first tracks on the discography. So these are probably the, the tracks I listen to the most when I used to listen to this. So it's yeah. probably why they're so memorable memorable to me. Um this record uh, if you actually wanted to buy it it's it seems to be on average between seven to ten dollars it's uh i don't know how many times they press this i don't know if it's like very very rare uh but that seems about the right price to me i'm gonna say you know, i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go full collector's prices i think, oh, I, whoa, think yeah. I think <laughs> i think i think i think i think you should own this i think it's very rare these days for a band to uh have what I would call a unique sound, especially in the early nineties and to be somewhat influential, but not like immensely influential. Like you could hear it here and there and, and uh, but and, and at the same time, kind of under the radar. Like no one's like I said, no one's clamoring for a Swiss reunion. No one's mm-hmm. like, oh, why don't they reunite? I don't think anybody gives a shit. They've been <laughs> flying under the radar for 30 years, doing their own thing, yep. making all these other bands that kind of sound like Swiss, and no one cares. But it's really interesting shit going on here. It's uh, it's very accessible. I think you could play this for many different types of people, not even into hardcore punk, and they would all love it. And uh, I do think you this uh, record needs a little more shine. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go full
1: collector's prices on this. I think this is a must-own for 7 to 10 bucks. Uh, I think this record, for me, takes concentration. Because, <laughs> you know, like, if you're someone who already likes kind of standard late 80s hardcore, early 90s hardcore, you could probably immediately hear what's weird and good about Swizz. But for me, this could play in the background for days, and I wouldn't notice it right away. Because it kind of just sounds like, you know, punky hardcore to me or something yeah. like that. And that's my handicap. That's not Swizz's problem. (laughs) So so if I sit down, if I fold my hands, if I close some browser tabs and I just close my eyes and listen, I I could hear it. I could hear how this influenced a ton of stuff that I'm into. And I could tell that it's a bunch of dudes trying to do something different with hardcore in that era. And I think think that's cool. I think that's awesome. I think the swirling guitar symphonies at the end of every single song are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think the fancy picking and the breakdowns is unexpected. Like I just don't expect so much right hand action in punk at the time. I love how hard the drums go on almost the whole record. Even when the song isn't going that hard, the drums are always boom pa boom pa they never let up. It's like they recruited Captain Caveman or something to make these drums surrender to the <laughs> to the beat. And uh I think for the most part, I think Sean's vocals are cool. I don't I don't know if I buy the repetition thing all the time. I think that they're supposed to sound like maniacal. Like mm-hmm. like that uh like that old commercial where the guys was it drugs or smoking where he's like walking in circles and he goes like I work a job to get more something to get more something. I think that's what the, you know what I mean? That, I think yeah, that's yeah. what he's going for but I, it sounds more like someone showed up empty handed on an oral report day sometimes like oh God, I got three lyrics I better make it count so that, that just leaves the basis, Dave who the record is named after what, the, what are you doing Dave? You play fine but I don't have anything to say about you in my closing statements here. I've, you, you just did a good job so you know you're on the fucking cover I'd hope for some some fireworks from you, but I'm only going to give you 3.5 bass strings out of four. Mm. Uh, and maybe if you picked up some fucking slack, we could get the whole thing strung and actually play play <laughs> some shit on this next time.
0: Well, there you have it. Uh, you know, pretty pretty similar. I think I liked it a little more, but again, yeah, uh, this is less of my handicap than uh, Scott's. Uh, <laughs> but people out there, let us know. Let f- be for real. I won't share your. Your, uh, your answers with the others. I won't share your answers with the public. Let me know if you thought a guy in the band was named Swizz. Because I bet <laughs> at least one of you was like, yeah, I definitely thought some dude yeah. in the band was named Swizz. So, yeah. so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Uh, I think next week, unless unless something weird happens, we are going to have our first guest in a very long time. It's been very many months since we had a guest. Uh, Liam from Cinepunk should be here unless something fucked up happens. And then uh, now I'm holding him accountable, though. I said him his name so he's not here. Yep. It's Named uh on it's streets. on yeah, it's your name's on the streets, it's on him, not us. Uh but Scott, do you have any last words?
1: See ya, see ya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hope you had a real good time, <laughs> dada oh, Hope you have a real good morning, do. <laughs> Hope we get to see you again. Da. <laughs> da-da. Da-da.
0: There you go. Fuck Charlie Daniels. <laughs>